Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. Fit Nation, your show, founded by veterans and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you are a corporate leader or entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, star family, we'd love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe, click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Electrocast Media and About Face Radio. So keep you tuned in to us and learn about our great guests. Our next guest is the president of one of the leading carbon capture coatings companies in the world. A climate technology advisor to several environmental NGOs. Technolo- technology accelerators and world and uh, Washington DC based embassies and a co-founder of team Leachin, a leading competitor in the X prize for carbon removal sponsored by the Musk foundation. So without further ado, let's welcome Beth McDaniel to the misfit nation show. Welcome Beth. Hi, thanks for having me, rich. It's great to have you here. I know I just gave a, a very quick uh, blurb about you there. If you want to expand upon that and how you got into the, the carbon coatings to help help the audience understand what it is and how we got to where we are now. You bet. Um, first, I'll probably I'll correct a little bit uh, a nuance of something that you said. You said that we're the leading carbon capture coatings company. We are the only one that I know of. Um, and what we are is a climate change solution. And I say that's what we are. What this technology is, is a climate change solution. It is a carbon removal solution. And uh, I say that to, to make a distinction between um, something that causes less carbon to be emitted in the air. That would be more of a mitigation strategy. And what we're talking about here is a, um, a climate change solution that actually pulls down CO2 from the ambient uh, air and fixes it 
and um, sequ and we have a means of sequestering that. And so that's that's the difference between carbon removal, just for your audience that might not know that, versus mitigation and cutting back on emissions. Um, what we do, uh, we have a company actually, this all started and it kind of helps to understand what our company does in order to understand this technology and how we got here. Because most people, um, in fact, probably 100% of your audience has never thought of paint as a carbon removal solution. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I'm not surprised. Um, so um, our company and my husband and I started a company about 20 years ago. And this company is in the paint innovation um, space and basically not having anything to do with climate change. And basically what we do, uh, my husband is kind of that crazy hair on end scientist, science guy, biochemist, like he's like living with Bill Nye, the science guy. Okay. I mean, he, he is a genius at biochemistry and biological systems and that sort of things. And someday you should have him on it to explain even the science of it. And I'll, I'll get into it in a layperson's way, but I mean, he can, he can bring it really to life, but uh, literally anyway, what we've done is um, in our company for the last 20 years is we've developed functional paints and coatings. And when I use the words paint and coatings, I'm using them kind of interchangeably. A coating is simply a paint without color. And if you look around yourself, and I'm looking at you right now, Rich, if you look at everything in your whole room, including your walls, of course, and uh, it, everything that around you is coated at some point in its manufacturing process. Coatings are used to protect uh, things during a manufacturing process, and everything man-made has a coating on it, including your walls, that poster, uh, the books that you're reading, that, that microphone, that he the headphones that you got, the clothes that you're wearing, your eyeglasses, your computer screen, everything around you has a coating. And um, so there's a lot of room for innovation. And um, what we've done that's different uh, in the coatings world is added a third component, not just decorating the surface or protecting the surface, but functionalizing that surface to do something to react to its environment, okay? Then we can we can put paint that is functional on a surface and you got a canvas for functionality, okay? I'll give you an example. Uh, and like I said, my husband is a biochemist, okay? So he works with biomolecules. I mean, we're talking things like enzymes, peptides, okay? So let's say there's an enzyme that we work with a lot. That enzyme in nature, and we always pull from nature, okay? These are all natural systems. And the enzyme in nature, is uh, breaks down greases, fats, and oils on contact. That's not our innovation. What we know how to do, our, the art and the science of what we do is taking that, that enzyme and, and training it into a coding system and asking it to do that in a coding system. Then we can spread it all over the place. We can put it on an architectural surface or on your countertop, uh, in your kitchen. And when you, you know, fry up some bacon, you don't have to clean it up. What you can do is you can go to sleep that night wake up in the morning and it's all broken down into its component parts. Okay. And it's going to do that. It's enzymatic, right? It keeps on going as long as the paint is there. If you put it on your computer screen, it's going to break down the fingerprints, those yucky fingerprints that you get on your computer screen. Um, if you 
put it on. I mean, we have, there's all sorts of industries and applications for these technologies. We have other technologies, a peptide technology that's anti naturally antimicrobial. We entrain that into a coating and a surface becomes uh, um, able to break down bacteria, molds, viruses like COVID, that sort of thing on contact. Okay. So what we've done is we've merged two different disciplines of science, which is biochemistry along with material science. That's the polymer or the paint science. Okay. And we put those things together and that's the innovation that we work with on a daily basis. That's, that's where, that's our day job. But um, in about 2018, a report came out by the UN's International Panel on Climate Change the IPCC, which is kind of the foremost authority on, on climate change. They're the, it's comprised of, this committee is comprised of like 3,500 scientists, leading scientists nationwide. And, and they do these reports regularly on climate change. Well, in 2018, a really damning report about climate change came out and it blew us away. It was the first time we really realized, oh my God, we are, we are confronting an existential crisis. And uh, so uh, my husband actually was kind of comatose for about a week <laughs> when he realized the extreme nature of it all. And um, after like laying on the couch for about a week, he, he, he came out of it and said, you know, I've been thinking about this for quite some time. I've got an idea. It involves paint and I think we need to try it. And we went to our team, uh, our technical team that day and we said, we're gonna divert our efforts and we're gonna work on a climate change solution that involves paint. Now, in this case, it's not a biological molecule that we're entrating into the coating, but rather an organism, a single cell bacteria, otherwise known as algae, okay? Algae, as we all know from eighth grade biology, photosynthesizes, and what it does is it pulls down CO2 with the help of sunlight and water in the moisture in the atmosphere, and and then it releases oxygen and glucose. Um, so we wanted to do that in a paint. And you say, why do it in a paint? Well, natural systems, what they do is uh, they, they equilibrate very well, okay? So the ocean, for instance, is, has algae. Um, the, the whole top of the ocean is covered in algae and microscopic algae. And it's doing the work of pulling down about 360 or 370 gigatons of CO2 annually, gigaton being a billion tons in case someone doesn't know that. Um, but what it also does is it releases about that same amount. It pulls down maybe a few gigatons more than it releases annually. It's pretty equal. Things die, algae dies, floats to the bottom of the ocean, it releases its CO2, okay? So there's this, there's uh, this equalizing thing that's going on. The land, the terrestrial soils also do the same thing, okay? Their trees and that and soils um, are, are pulling down CO2, but they're also releasing it. Um, the problem that we get into is that, is that we as humans through our uh, industrial processes are releasing, are emitting about 40 gigatons annually of CO2 that's not being absorbed um, by the natural systems. So we decided to put algae in a paint. And what the paint does is it allows it to not be released, 
okay, until we can do something with it um, and permanently sequester it is the jargon that they use for, for um, carbon removal. Um, also, it's such a huge problem, okay? Billions of tons is a bigger problem than you than people normally think of, okay? And, um, and for instance, a billion days ago, Rich was 700 years before Christ was born, okay? A billion, that was a million days, sorry, a million days was 700 years before Christ was born. A billion days ago, 2,740,000 years ago, okay? I mean, Homo sapiens only came into existence in like 200,000 years ago. So we're talking about billions of something is a lot. And um, so natural systems as a climate change solution have a problem because if you wanted to plant trees, for instance, um, to take care of that 40 gigatons, then you would cover the whole domestic United States in trees. Okay. Oh. There's no farmland. Okay. We got a problem with that, right? I mean, everyone be displaced. Um, and so the, I'm getting back to why paint is advantageous. Paint, as we know it, is very thin. It, it's lightweight and it adheres well to surfaces. So we can go vertical. And we think that's a very important aspect of this technology is the ability to go vertical. But you see paint on the highest skyscrapers, right? And so we can put paint up and we're not putting this on, I, I want to divert your audience away from that. This is not what, we're not going to put this on the outside of buildings. It's not the highest and best use. We could, but it's not the highest and best use. What we need to do is create facilities filled densely with painted surfaces um, that are doing the work of photosynthesis. And so that's what you need to imagine. This is like, a, you know, think of facilities, but in those facilities, we can go vertical. We don't have to go just lateral because of the nature of paint. So I will pause there and give you an opportunity. <laughs> that was a lot. The answer, the one question I have is, was the paint on the outside or inside? Uh, coatings, uh, familiar with coatings in the military, we use uh, chemical resistant coatings on all of our vehicles to keep uh, chemical agents from permeating through the vehicle skins. So that's that part of coatings we under. I understand. I'll talk to you about military coatings later too. I got we got one of those, but that's for a different day. That's something we all kind of, a lot of the audience will know about cark paint and stuff like that, because that's something you have, you have to- We have an alternative to cark. Okay, awesome. And uh, that's something we knew, and being a, in the military, we did, my job is chemical and biological warfare, so I kind of know a lot of the words you were saying, so my audience might understand some bit too, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Can I say one thing about that, just because hardly anyone ever brings that up, but yeah. yes, our, our the genesis of our um, company was actually based on a military product that replaces cark. And what it is, is it's a paint that um, upon um, contact will decontaminate uh, organophosphorus nerve weapons. Nice. And okay. Cark makes it easier to clean off. Right. This works. This works to actually break it down. Within 24 hours of contamination, you could eat off of that surface. Oh, I'll show you something interesting. But I wouldn't suggest eating off any surface of military vehicle, but it's. A, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> I take your word for that one. Uh, and that's awesome. Uh, I think everything you're doing is pretty, it's pretty cool to me to see where we've come and where we were and where we're going to try to protect things now and understanding that we need to protect things in, in order to make uh, next generations have a place to live really. Yeah. So, yeah. 
We got to do this for our kids, for our grandparents, for our grandkids. I mean, this is going to take place in our lifetime. This, this climate change, the, we could pass up. So the UN speaks of a point of no return. And that's when we exceed one and a half degrees Celsius over pre-industrial levels. We're at about, I don't know, 1.1, 1.2. And it's also kind of mushy. We're not exactly sure. Oh, on this day, it's going to go over. Right. I mean, we're, we're pushing it. Okay. With emissions. Once that happens, things are, certain things are irreversible. And then we're trending towards going way higher than that. Some estimates are as high as like four degrees over. In which case, I mean, we're, we're talking about a world really that in most parts of it will not be inhabitable. So Rich, we're the adults in the room. <laughs> you know, this happened on our, on our clock. And uh, I never thought I've always, you know, considered myself a kid and, and I'm not anymore, you know, and we've got to do something and we got to do it quick. I know I'm not a kid when my kid's 26 now. So, and ask me questions and she helps me with my social media. So I know I'm not a kid anymore. So it's, it's easy to point that out, but yes, I understand. She understands it very well. She's a lot smarter at this stuff than I am. And she'll, she'll sit down and have long conversations about climate and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Same. Yeah. We got teenagers. Yeah. It's pretty cool that she can, she can sit and talk about it. And I try to understand what she's, the point she's coming from and, and bring some, other sides from my my experience around the world as well. And so we have good conversations whenever we go to lunch and stuff. I bet. So where do you see your this, I guess, uh, being implemented in a large scale in the future? How, how long? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay, so like I told you before, think of it as in terms of facilities, okay? These would be facilities. Now, now this technology is actually, um, it's kind of flexible, okay? So it's flexible in that, I said it's a direct air capture system. Okay, it definitely can be that. And that's what um, we've done, what's called an, an LCA, a life cycle analysis. That's done by an independent third party that comes in and evaluates um, how, much, um, how much CO2 is being used up in your, uh, in your whole system. They put boundaries around it and then they count all of your carbon. And, um, and we've done that. We've had that done on this technology as well as a techno-economic analysis, which is um, how much does you, you end up with, how much does your technology cost per ton, um, a dollar figure. But uh, this technology in that way is a direct air capture system. But it could also be next to an industrial process. And we're certainly talking to uh, emitters right now. There are certain, you know, industries that are becoming very concerned, of course, with, you know, their emissions and their shareholders are coming down on them. They're like, you know, we're not going to take this anymore. You've got to clean up your mess. And um, so this could actually like for the CO2 that's being emitted in an industrial process, we could pipe that into our system because guess what? Algae loves CO2, okay? So the more CO2, the better our system works, the faster it works. And so we're, we're anticipating that the system would be used uh, in a variety of ways. One of them would be, a that would be a mitigation strategy, okay? You're lowering the amount of net emissions that are coming out of an industrial facility. So it could be used, and that's probably the first place it will be used because we're getting so much action on that right now. But, um, but also... Uh, it could be okay, and it might help for your for your uh, listeners to describe what we're talking about. So we're talking about 
the way that we um, uh, envision or the way that we have designed this, and it's not just a vision, we, we have this, we have modules, okay? So this is a modular system. So imagine a, um, a one meter cubed, um, have you ever heard of an IBC? You probably know these, they're just shipping containers, okay? Oh, they're, they're a meter cubed. You've seen them before. They're at all shipping ports and stuff like that. And, um, and, but imagine within it, there's a uh, 40 meters squared worth of surface area. Okay. So that's what I mean when we pack it in. Okay. We would pack it into that module painted surface area. We use a, a plastic mesh at this moment. I mean, there could be a whole bunch of different surfaces that we, that we cover with this special paint, but the paint is green. It has algae and it, it greens up as time goes on. Biomass is accumulating that whole time. And then we take that biomass eventually at the right time and we would harvest that. And, and we, what we do with it is called biochar. It's a pyrolysis uh, process in which we would, um, you, you burn it without oxygen and it ends up creating um, something like a charcoal briquette, okay, that contains that CO2 and it, and it keeps it there in a durably sequestered way, which means in the in the climate change world means a hundred years or longer, okay? It's not going to re-emit and it's in biochar is probably going to be a lot longer than a hundred years. That biochar is also a valuable soil amendment to make soils and uh, it helps them um, capture more um moisture from the atmosphere. So it helps soils and they become a better sink. So it's a pretty good process. I just wanted to point that out. And, you know, you can imagine just stacking modules, um, either spreading them out. It doesn't even take good land. You could put it in, you know, wasteland if you had it or a parking lot. Okay. On the top of a building or in your backyard. Okay. And that's another way that we see of implementing it. Cause I think people really want to become involved in a solution. Well, this could be something eventually like people put solar panels on their house or they compost their food and the city is involved in coming and picking it up later. And, you know, maybe what you have is you have a system of 20 modules in your backyard to help capture your carbon footprint. And then the city is involved in, you know, switching out the, the painted sheets and whatever. That's something that we envision. It's not obviously gotten to that point, but, um, so we can see it on a, you know, individual scale to an industrial scale. And then the most important thing really is to be able to scale up to a gigaton, because unless the technology can get to the gigaton level, unfortunately, it's not really doing any good. OK, I mean, I'm not coming down on Microsoft too hard, but I heard recently, it was actually a year or two ago, Microsoft was bragging about buying like, I don't know, 1200 tons of CO2 or offsets for 12. And I was like, you know, build a shelter then because that your money will be better spent doing that because you, you didn't do nothing. If you're Microsoft and you're buying 1200 tons. Okay. That is doing zero for the problem. And when we're talking about 40 gigatons. And so the important thing is scale up to the gigaton level. And we envisioned Diff, a different embodiment for our technology, for the paint technology and utilizing ocean um, surface area um, that would allow us to, to scale up to a gigaton level. And that's how we plan to do that. So, I mean, 
mean, it's a great plan moving forward. And hopefully as you grow, others will jump on with you and assist in the, in this movement to help and uh, save us, uh, save the earth. And I know I won't be around for another 50 years, but I'll be around some of that and be able to see some of the, some of the changes. And so will you and your family and the listeners' families as well. And a lot of my listeners have little ones who will be making little ones by the time this is all really in fruition. So, Hey, they're counting on us, you yes. know, we got to yeah. do this. <laughs> Get that step forward and, uh, started with like you said the industrial revolution basically way back yonder way before us uh, a generation or two before us actually two generations before us and uh if we can start correcting some of those wrongs there and start making positive momentum forward who knows where we'll be and who knows where the earth will be in 100 years yep exactly so if you don't mind uh share some tips that even the everyday person in their house can do to reduce some of their carbon footprint well, I might be a little jaded, okay? <laughs> I haven't read a, a novel in, since 2018. All I read about is climate change. All I ever study and research is climate change, okay? So I'm going to be real with you. Um, it, 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 it helps to not hurt anymore, so it helps to drive your electric car. You know, I drive an electric car. Um, unfortunately, all of us driving electric car and the cars in the whole world wouldn't change the situation, Okay in a meaningful way. And what I'm talking about again is gigatons. Um, what we have, you think, I think a lot of people think there's a lot of talk about climate change and companies doing stuff and that's good. But even if emissions went down by 50%, we still got 20 gigatons annually going in the air. Okay. So we need these climate change. I mean, these climate, sorry, carbon removal solutions to be implemented. And um, a lot of people might think, well, that's probably being done already, right? And yeah, there are some companies that are farther along than us, more well-known, maybe. Uh, one, one of them, for instance, um, if you look up the best carbon or the farthest carbon removal solution, the one that's farthest along is probably a company called Climeworks. Maybe you've heard of this. And they've built some plants. And they're doing good work, okay? But... And I consider them colleagues, not competitors. There's plenty of space for everyone. So I'm not trying to dog anyone here. I'm just saying they're only pulling down 4,000 tons and they're the leader in the climate in the carbon removal um, solution business. And they're only at 4,000 tons. They're aiming for 40,000. But again, that I'm, we need a lot more, okay? So you ask, what can someone do? And I used to do this with, with um, high schoolers and, and middle schoolers also, because I'm a lawyer too. And um, I love to hold people accountable um, is call your lawmaker, go visit with your lawmaker, talk about the importance of carbon removal solutions. Okay. Whether it's ours or something else, let them know that's an important thing. I think that's probably one of the more meaningful things you can do. And I used to, like I said, I used to teach that in schools. And um, and if you don't know that, then every time you make a phone call to a lawmaker or you go in for a visit or send a letter, it's counted. Okay. They, they, they do a hash mark. There's one person that cared about this issue. They count that as a certain amount. There's a formula that they apply to that. So that one person they heard from means that there's so many other thousand people that they're not hearing from that care about that issue. And so they start tallying it up. And so that's 
what I've been telling people to do. Awesome. Yeah, get your voice heard. Uh, no representation, no taxation without representation. You keep that in your mind. Mm -hmm. I go. Every, they every they work for us. Okay. Yes. Don't, don't be, you know, don't hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go to Capitol Hill every June to talk to them about veterans issues. So uh, I understand. Yeah. So, yeah. There you I go. Enjoy the trip and, and I'm always, we're always welcome. So it's pretty cool. This is a, a hot debate up in, in the house and the Senate that let's do you know, people or have people in their purse strings telling them what to say. So you got to right. really push, push this issue. And like you said, get your, can go out there as a constituent contact or go there. If you have to, mm -hmm. to get in their, in their office and say, hello, I'm here for X. And like you said, they will, uh, they'll send you a letter saying, thank you for coming and talking about whatever you talked about. And hopefully it'll stay in their heads when they go to their next vote. Yeah. I used to call with a classroom of kids. They weren't old enough to be voters. So we'd have to disclose that, but we'd say we're in your district and we are get we do give a shit. We are going to vote someday. And I'd have them just say, this is what we care about. Raise your hand. How many people are here? Okay. There's your number. Click, you know, and they'd have to count it. <laughs> That's numbers right there. So they know in the, how many years it was at high school. It could be two years there to your voters. You got to get them constituents yeah. right there. Or lose them, mm -hmm. and then their two friends will tell two friends, and that's how the whole cycle goes. So, Beth, this has been awesome talking about this emerging technology, awesome technology you guys are doing. How does someone find out more about what you're doing? Oh, um, well, uh, you can look on our website is one way, um, reactivesurfaces.com, and that surface is like the surface of a table, not services. Um, and uh, another thing is we are um, we are also competing in the um, Carbon Removal X Prize. I don't know if you're familiar what, with what X Prize is. Have you heard? I don't of know that? what that is. I've seen it on your bio. I didn't know. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's worthy of explanation. So an X Prize, and there's a whole bunch of them. They're competitions. They're usually based in innovation, in innovating solutions to big problems, poverty, uh, food scarcity, those kind of things. And uh, there's the and there are millions and millions of dollars. They're global competitions. Um, there's one that was sponsored in 2021 um, by Elon Musk. It's the largest prize ever prize purse ever given away. It's a hundred million dollar um, prize for the best carbon removal technology. Um, our team is Team Lichen, and I can explain that if you've got like one more minute. Um, why we're called Team Lichen um, for this, and it's this technology. And um, the reason why is because this, uh, like I said, we always reach into nature for all of our technologies. Well, this one was based when I told you my husband had this aha moment. Well, uh, it's based on the fact that when he was doing some uh, scientific research in the Arctic years ago, he saw this rock that was in a, in a whole landscape of like, just gray rocks for as far as I could see. And he sees this big rock that's painted red with like a, he thought it was like a GPS, you know, kind of uh, um, uh, thing that, you know, painted rocks so that they could tell where they were or something like that. And um, so he went over though to get closer and he saw that it was a lichen. Well, we're all familiar with lichen. You know, you go hiking in the woods, you see them, they're all, you know, colorful and they, you, they're, they're thin, they adhere well, they, you can barely even scrape it off, right? So it's, um, and he thought, that's a lot like paint. 
you know? And so he said, that was the aha moment that he had about this was we're going to design a paint that works like lichen. Some lichen are a thousand years old. Okay. And what lichen are is there are two organisms. It's a fungus and an algae. The algae works to do the photosynthesis within the fungus and the fungus allows the algae to have what it needs, the nutrients that it needs, the gas exchange, the sunlight, but not too much UV, uh, humidity and moisture, but not too much. And they work very symbiotically like that, very happily together. And um, so consider the paint is like the fungus, okay? So we do things to the paint to make it, um, to make it uh, grab moisture from the atmosphere, but, but eliminate UV because that'll destroy it. Um, things like that, that we do all the time with paint because we know about paint innovation. And um, so this, this paint is based on lichen and that's the name of our team in the X prize is called team lichen. Awesome. Uh, when's the results of that going to come out? How long is it um, it'll come out on earth day, 2025. And what has to be done is a thought you have to prove that a thousand tons of CO2 have been captured and sequestered. So you have to actually do it. It's not, Hey, we've got this idea, you know, you have to actually do it. So that's what we're in the process of doing. Outstanding. So it's not a PowerPoint presentation. It's an actual. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Show us the money kind of thing. (laughs) Show me the money and give me the money for the prize. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Beth, again, thank you for taking some of your time to hang out with the Misfit Nation tonight. And uh, I look forward to seeing where this goes in the future. Thanks. I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your audience listening. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are...